Hello and welcome back to another episode of Square State Sandlot. Got Raph joining me again. Happy to have him back. Uh, got me, I'm your host, Bill Montoya. We were hoping to have Kyle. Um, things came up again, so we're hoping middle of next week we'll, we'll have him back on here for another episode. I know it's been a while since he's been on, uh, but holding down the fort. So we'll go into <clears throat> what was the wildcard weekend of last weekend, and we'll preview some of the games coming up for this upcoming week in the divisional round. We'll talk about some of the uh, head coach, defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator moves that have been made, um, things like that, and, and what we see going on uh, around the league. So without further ado, we'll get into it. And I do want to start with your 49ers and Seahawks game and, and what you thought of it and, and kind of break it down for us because I, myself, I was – driving down to St. George to pick up a couch, so I didn't get to see much of the game. Um, well, like, I mean, we we stopped Seattle, like, their first two possessions, got them to punt, um, and then we, you know, we scored on our possessions. We had one punt in that first half, and that was kind of it, but we were leaving points behind with some field goals. Um, so, and then we had a kind of dumb penalty at the end of the first half that got Seahawks in field goal range to take the lead right before half, which was kind of nerve wracking yeah. going into that one. Um, I mean, like Purdy, he was still looking good. Um, it did seem like he was trying to force some more passes this game than other yep. ones. Like, throwing them in two title windows. Um, luckily, they were just, you know, knocked down instead of intercepted or a couple of overthrows as well. Um, I mean, second half, we came out of the gate swinging pretty well. Like, we were marching down the field. And then, uh, you know, Joshua Abrams you know, tackled Debo. And I was like, we got our first down from that. Um, but then... I think they were getting a little frustrated because we were just going down the field quick. He twisted his leg. Um, no, no penalty from that. But uh, that's my guy, lot... Jonathan Abram. Oh, was it Jonathan? I thought it was Josh. Forgot. Um, but you know, everybody out on the field, even Coach Shanahan, kind of throwing a shoulder into somebody. <laughs> um, but after that. It was, it was over for the Seahawks. Like yeah, that's funny. Uh, he was on the Raiders' first three years of his career. Well, two and a half. They cut him halfway through the season this year, um, and then he bounced to Green Bay, and then they cut him, and Seattle picked him up to fulfill <laughs> that. Um, who was that safety they had that got hurt? Adams, right? Uh, Jamal Adams not- or something like that. He's their high post safety. They, they, I think they gave up like two first round picks or two second round picks for him, uh, but he got hurt, and so Abram kind of fills that box safety role. But yeah, it seemed like after that play, got you guys <laughs> fired up pretty well, and and it was pretty much over, like you said, from there. So um, I did see, I saw, I think probably a good chunk of the first quarter. Um, 
looked like Purdy was, I don't know, I don't want to say he was off, but he definitely didn't look crisp at the beginning of the game. And I think that's kind of why you guys didn't walk away with it right from the beginning. Uh, he had a couple throws where he was late. If he had thrown it earlier, there would have been an easy touchdown. You guys end up kicking a field goal in one of the possessions. <clears throat> one of them almost got picked, and there's a couple that he just completely missed the throw on. But from the looks of it, he, he definitely cleaned it up in the second half, and you guys definitely rolled. I, I still think Christian McCaffrey, that deal was probably one of the best moves in the entire trade market. Um he looks to be the missing piece for you guys on top of having, you know, a rookie quarterback. So I'm excited to see how you guys do. Um, I don't know. <clears throat> I definitely wasn't expecting the, the Seahawks to have the lead at halftime, but I thought it was going to be a close game like I alluded to on, on the last podcast when, when we talked about it. I thought it would be like a three-point game, but you guys definitely did your due diligence in the second <laughs> half and, and took care care business to make sure it wasn't a three-point game so how are you feeling going into the next one and and obviously we'll we'll talk more about that but did you guys have any injuries coming out of this game or anything to to watch for um i didn't see anything noticeable um from any of the updates uh i I think a couple people like didn't practice for like you know resting and stuff but I don't think I saw any injury-related stuff coming out of that. Beautiful. Okay, so I think anything else you want to talk about in in that game? Um, no, no. That like I mean, that first half was a little scary, but then after that, it was everything was fine Got and dandy. Corrected. So yeah. <laughs> All right, so we'll move on to the the next game that happened, and that was the Jacksonville Jaguars versus the L.A. Chargers. Um, <laughs> we both picked the the Jaguars to win this game. Uh, not sure we we saw it going like this, but um, during the game, I was actually talking to my dad, and he said, "Nah, the Chargers got this one in the bag," and I was like, "Ah." I think the Jaguars are going to come back. And this was when it was like 14 to 30. And then very next play, they uh, Lawrence hits, I think it was, I don't remember who it was, but hits him on a like a 40-yard touchdown to make it uh, 20 to 30. They go for two and don't get it. But at that point, I think the Chargers will, were full-blown just in blow-it mode. So um, it was an interesting game. I mean, definitely... When the Jags were down, I think it was, what, 27 to nothing at halftime? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what it was, too. Yeah. There was uh, not a lot of people that were giving them a chance to come back. In fact, there was one guy that put down like a million dollars to win 11000 if the Chargers were able to hold on. So he put up a million and ended up losing, which is just I, an all-time bad beat. I think it was $1.4 million. Okay, yeah, I knew it was over a million. I don't remember the exact amount. But anyway, he lost over a million dollars, and the only potential payout for that was $11,000. So uh, feel sorry for that guy, although if he has over a million dollars put down on it, he probably deserved losing that. <laughs> but, no, it was it was a crazy tale. I mean, we've talked so many times about a tale of two halves, but the uh, – 
Jaguars couldn't do anything right in the first half. I mean, Trevor Lawrence had four interceptions in that first half. Like I said, 27 to nothing at, at the halfway point. Um, but then in the second half, he had four rush or four passing touchdowns, and I think he added a – no, he didn't add a rushing. It was ETN that had one. Um, so it was just a, a really impressive second half from them and the Chargers. I mean, there's no excuse for this. I mean, we've seen them blow leads every every year it seems like where but usually they don't make it in the playoffs before they do it and that's why I never picked them to advance and once again I picked against them and made me look really smart but I don't know man I I, I almost feel bad for the Chargers because every year it's something like this whether it's injuries or just bad luck I mean I don't know how you blow a 27 point lead that I think it's it was the third largest blown lead in the NFL history and I think it was the largest in playoff history so I don't know how you come back from that I mean obviously you have your quarterback of the future it seems like you always have a loaded roster but I don't know I mean they decided to hold on to Brandon Staley despite Sean Payton's interest in coming to the team yeah Uh, I saw that too Joey Bosa made a couple of boneheaded plays, getting personal fouls against him, um, throwing his helmet. His coach picks up his helmet and hands it back to him. He throws it to throws it again, gets another penalty. I I don't know what that guy's doing, but he definitely let the uh, refs get into his head. And I mean, two of those plays were pretty significant in the outcome of the game. Um, they did oh, fire in their his offense. defense. Right. Go ahead. In his defense, he sh- it shouldn't have gone that far for him to get that frustrated with what was going on. Yeah, if they had, no, it should not. And they've done their job. <laughs> I think they uh, at least made one move, and that was moving on from their offensive coordinator. Um, I don't think there's really any way to beat around the bush. He didn't do a great job this year, and. The play calling in that second half, they ran 25 pass plays to only eight run plays when you have a 27-point lead. I mean, at that point, the Jaguars have (laughs) that giant lead to overcome, but then they also have the the clock that they're fighting against. And it seems like had they just kneeled the ball four or three times and punted, it probably would have been better offensive strategy than what they did. Uh, didn't use much time off the clock in the second half and just gave them the ball right back. So I think the writing was on the wall that they were going to move on from him, but it's still crazy to me that they were able to blow a 27-point lead. And that's coming from a Raiders fan. We blew five of those big leads this uh, this season alone. So I don't know. It was definitely puzzling. Anything you have to add to that game or you think that about covers it? No, I just, I mean, like we both picked the Jags to win, but I just, I thought they were just going to kind of win from the get-go. Not yeah. not that kind of fashion, so. Not an epic comeback. Well, it, I mean, it's funny because, like I said, down, I think they still had, yeah, 16-point lead, the Chargers did, and I, I told my dad they're going to blow this, and he didn't believe me, but sure enough. <laughs> Uh, so next game, uh, was the, the morning cap at, uh, on Sunday and that was the Bills versus the Dolphins. 
Uh, we talked about this game last week, and I thought it was going to be a complete blowout. Uh, definitely wasn't expecting a lot from, um, what's his name, Trey, Trace Tompkins, something like that. Ah, oh, what are you talking about? Skyler Thompson? The, Skyler Thompson, there you go. Yeah, definitely wasn't expecting much out of him, especially against the Bills' defense. Uh, but he, he played a pretty good game. Um, didn't, and I mean, the Bills were really able to shut down Tyreek Hill. I mean, it was just a, a group effort to, to get those points on the board. Um, what did you see in that game? Did you get to watch that one? I, I didn't get to see much of it. Um, okay. Just a little bit snips here and there, but so I have a couple notes from the game. And one of them was the Josh Allen play or the Josh Allen throw to Dawson Knox in the corner of the end zone. I don't know if you saw that one where he essentially had one one place he could put the ball and Dawson Knox catches it one handed behind the uh, defender that's right in front of his face and gets both feet in to, to score the touchdown. It was an absolute beauty. Love seeing that. I mean, obviously, we're, I don't know if you are, but I'm, I'm a huge Josh Allen fan. I know uh, John and Kyle are both Josh Allen fans, obviously from his time at University of Wyoming. But I love watching the guy play. Like, that's my rate. The Raiders are my, my favorite team, but Josh Allen's my favorite player in the entire league. So I definitely have a, a soft spot for the Bills, and I'm hoping they advance further. But. Um, one thing that I, I did notice that Miami was getting a lot of pressure on Josh Allen, which I don't know that he's seen a ton of that this year. Their offensive line has held up quite a bit. Uh, he didn't play his best game. He had two interceptions, and then he had a strip sack fumble. I, can't, I think that was right at the beginning of the third quarter. Maybe it was right at the end of the second quarter, somewhere in that range. Uh, so... Obviously, not all of the points that the Dolphins scored were from the offense. Uh, that one touchdown was, I think it was, I can't remember who the player was that had the strip sack that, that got it for the touchdown. But I don't know. They, they definitely did not play a clean game. Um, if if they're going to advance further, I, I would fully expect that Josh Allen's going to have to clean up those turnovers. I mean, that's three in one game. He's had that problem, especially the second half of the season, hasn't been playing his best ball. So I think he's going to get it cleaned up. Uh, Ken Dorsey's probably going to be in his ear saying, hey, we don't need to, you know, be a hero on every single play. Let's take care of the football and, and let our defense do their thing if we need to punt um, and and really force the other team to, to make the plays, not just give it to them. So um, they are going to play against the Bengals, which – Obviously, we haven't got to see that matchup because the first game got canceled. Uh, but if they're going to beat the Bengals, I think they're going to have to play a much cleaner game. So, And right after this game, uh, Miami fires their defensive coordinator, and I think that was one of the pieces that was really holding them back this year. They haven't been able to stop many, many teams from doing what they want to do on offense. So I don't think I that think was I a surprising move. Go ahead. I think I saw they let some other guys go too. Yeah, I think they let go a couple other assistant coaches and, and whatnot, but I think the main move was the, the defensive coordinator. I I really think had they had Tua, there's a good chance that they beat the Bills in this game. Um, 
So definitely need to clean that up. I don't know what they do going forward. Do you think two will be back, or do you think he's too uh, high a risk to, to keep playing? I don't know. Um, I mean, I I can see him wanting to play. Um, I don't know, like what kind of things he has in his contract to prevent him from, you know, like for them just ditching him. If, I think he's still but, on his rookie deal, so I think it's fully guaranteed, but I think there's only probably, I don't know, maybe $8 million left on that contract, so wouldn't be a big deal to, to cut him, but... I mean, I don't I don't see them getting rid of him, like, in the offseason, but I could definitely see them looking around, maybe kind of going up a little higher in the, the draft for another quarterback option. You know, not like first round or anything, but maybe like early third or something like that. Well, and unfortunately, I mean, you don't want to see a guy lose his job due to injury, but at the same time, you don't want to see that guy keep running out there. I mean, I think he had three concussions this season. And yeah, I think like, you know, two official ones and then that first one that got missed, I guess. Yeah. Is what the. So I don't. I really don't know. I mean, it seems like, and I'm no doctor, obviously, but it seems like every time you get a concussion, it, it makes it easier to get another one. So where he had three in one season, I don't know that you can necessarily count on that player to be available on the field, and I don't know that you should necessarily be asking him to go back out there. I mean, yeah. obviously it's up to him and the team doctors and all that. It's not my decision, but wouldn't surprise me to see them as one of the potential options for Derek Carr um, getting him in there. Yeah, I, I, it's just, it's going to be a little tentative, like, scenario for them. It's like, can't just, you don't want to just fire him because, right. Know. Well, I mean, he's cheap enough. He could be a backup option. Um, obviously, Skyward Thompson showed a little flash against the Bills, but hate going off a one game sample size I mean they've obviously seen him in practice and things like that so they'll have a better idea of what he is as a player but yeah I think two is cheap enough that you can keep him as I mean even if you want to start the season as him or with him give him an opportunity to stay healthy but have have a, a backup plan in place because most likely you're going to have to utilize it so but I think that's all I had with the Dolphins. Obviously, like I said, we'll we'll talk more about the the matchups for this upcoming divisional round weekend. So we'll get more into the Bills versus the the Bengals later on. But <clears throat> did you get to see the uh, Vikings and the Giants matchup at all? Uh, just just a little bit again. Um, I mean, I I did see that check down at the end. <laughs> yeah, fourth and eight, we throw it three yards. That's that's a classic Raiders call right there. Um, no, it was a, it was one of the more enjoyable games I think of the entire weekend. Um, it was not lopsided. I mean, both teams seemed to have counter punches and whatnot. Um, stayed competitive the whole game. Giants definitely. I just freaking love Brian D- Dable. I mean, the guy. Took over Daniel Jones, who, you know, everyone said was a, a lost cause. 
And that's what Brian, I thought too. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, me included. I, I saw some flashes from him. Seemed like he had good potential with his legs, but he never had a, a ton of accuracy with his arm. Uh, I don't think it was quite fair evaluation because he never had a ton of options at wide receiver, tight end. Uh, I know they have a couple weapons, but it seemed like that Kadarius Tony was never healthy, never on the field. Um, who was that wide receiver? Galladay. They gave him a huge contract, and I think he had three catches this season. So <laughs> I don't know. It seems like all the options they tried to put around him, he he didn't really have a chance to, to utilize them. But the thing I love about Brian Dable, and I wish I wish more coaches would do this, but the guy took over the team, and, and rather than try to say, you know, fit a, a square peg in a, in a circular hole, he would just – form his offense around what what tools he had available to him where a lot of the coaches that come in they say oh this isn't my guy so um you know this is probably going to be a rough year because i want my guys on the roster and and this is just going to be a throwaway year you didn't see that with brian dable and i absolutely love that with him and obviously you saw that with uh mcdaniel there in uh, miami he I mean, everyone is ready to move on from Tua, and he reclaimed him. Obviously, it helps when you have Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill for him to throw to. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, I just like seeing guys that can maximize the talent on their roster rather than, you know, saying, oh, this guy doesn't fit, so that's why we're not having success. So, Brian Dable, what he was able to do, not that the Vikings have a, a stout defense or anything. They don't. It's it's been one of their weaknesses all year, but they were really able to shut down the uh, Vikings offense, which has been absolutely phenomenal all year. I mean, I don't know what Justin Jefferson's final line was, but he didn't take over the game like he had been all season. Uh, they really made Kirk Cousin look pedestrian, and Dexter Lawrence up the middle. I mean, that guy has earned himself a, a nice contract raise, I think, just by that game alone. He was coming from the nose tackle position he was in the backfield on almost every single play the dude was an absolute animal so i don't know man it was it was an exciting game to watch i thought the giants played well on defense did enough on offense and and they look like a team that i think could catch some people by surprise um i don't know if they'll have it in them to beat the eagles this weekend but it definitely wouldn't surprise me um in fact kyle has them going all the way to the super bowl in, in his picks, so we'll see. I mean, they, they definitely look like they could upset some folks. I don't know if they'll get past you guys, but it wouldn't surprise me to see them beat the Eagles, especially if uh, Jalen Hurts has a little rust from, from being out the last couple weeks. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll root for the Giants this weekend. So Yeah, <laughs> get you guys an easier path, you think? Yeah, that way we get that last game at home. and Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we'll move on to the Cincinnati versus Baltimore matchup. Um, I think this one was another one of those that we we expected to be a blowout. It ended up being a a seven-point game. Uh, Tyler Huntley actually played very well, uh, probably his best game of the year, uh, sitting in for Lamar Jackson. Obviously, it wasn't enough, uh, and the reason why is he went for a sneak play and, and jumped over the pile instead of getting behind his blockers and... Logan Wilson, the governor from University of Wyoming, forced a fumble that led to a Sam Hubbard 
98 yard big fella thick six all the way to the end zone yeah um, I, I saw that one that was that was entertaining quite the, quite the rumble i mean it's not it's not when you get one of those 300 pounders because i mean sam hubbard's a, a pretty athletic dude for being i think he's around two, 265 270 something like that so it's not seeing you know like a vince wilfork or something like that <laughs> rumbling down the field but Definitely a big guy, and 98 yards is quite the run. I don't think he came back in until the the next series after that <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because he was so they, gassed. They did cut to him a couple of times, and he was not some oxygen. But. Yeah, he's got the mask on for sure. Um, I think so. Obviously, Bengals played pretty well on defense. They, they limited the Ravens to, I think it was 17 points. Uh, did enough on offense, although... I don't know. It's tough to evaluate the the Baltimore defense because how much they were struggling before they traded for uh, Roquan Smith. After he got there, they were allowing like seven points less per game. Um, I think it was like two full yards per per play less or something like that. So it's the first half of the season they were not a good defense second half of the season they started to look better but they were also playing against some less competitive teams uh, and their offense wasn't doing a, mu- a bunch either so I don't know it's tough to evaluate but the the Bengals definitely struggled against the Baltimore defense so I don't know if that's cause for concern for them but they did lose their left tackle Jonah Williams who I can't, I think he was a pro bowler last year as a rookie if I remember right um so losing him is a a big deal and it could be a major factor in that Bills matchup I know the Bills are missing Von Miller uh, but they still have a pretty good defensive line so you would think that may be um a cause for concern against the the Bills for the Bengals um especially the way the the offensive line looked against the Ravens I mean it seemed like Burrow was running for his life on almost every play so yeah, well, from what I saw, I was like there are three starters that are out now from the O line. Yeah. So, yeah. and then the the Bills defense is pretty tough. So, I, I mean, I had didn't to look that tough against Skylar Thompson, but <laughs> I, uh, I picked Cincinnati over the Bills, but I, it's gonna be pretty close game, I would say, at this point yeah. now. And then. Just one more note on the Ravens. After this game, they, well, I guess it wasn't directly after, but uh, they it was today, in fact, they announced that they were moving on from Greg Roman, their offensive coordinator, um, and that they plan to bring Lamar Jackson back. I don't know if he's going to get the contract he's looking for. Uh, rumors are, well, I guess you shouldn't even need to say rumors. I mean, he's essentially <laughs> confirmed it on Twitter himself that he's looking for about the Deshaun Watson contract in total guarantees, which I think was either 230 or 250 million guaranteed. So um, with his injury history in the last couple of weeks or last couple of years, I don't know that he'll get that fully guaranteed contract that he wants unless he's willing to take less years or less money. Um, but they did say today that he he would be back. He's in their future plans. They're looking forward to negotiating with him. Uh, and absolute worst case, I think they slapped the franchise tag on him and he'll make 
north of 40 million this year in the upcoming season and they I did thought that say, was what they did last time this year no this was his fifth oh. year option oh, okay okay oh that's yeah. what it was yep <clears throat> so it'll be interesting to see what happens with lamar but they did say that he would be involved in the selection of the next offensive coordinator so if that's truly the case that shows a commitment to him uh, maybe not a financial con- commitment just yet, but if if they're willing to involve him in the in the decision on the offensive coordinator, that that tells me that they're probably willing to uh, work on him with that con- or work with him on that new contract. And like you said, absolute worst case, I think they franchise tag him. We'll see if he ends up playing on the franchise tag. I really don't think that's a bad option for him. You saw what Kirk Cousins did with the Washington. Redskins at the time, now Commanders, or Commies as we like to call them, <laughs> and uh, he he ended up using that franchise tag I think twice before he got to free agency and ended up making top five money. And then the following year they had to give him 120 percent of that top five money, so he ended up making I think 40 million, which at the time I think was the the largest quarterback contract for for a single season. So. Uh, Kirk Cousins has done quite well, so if, if Lamar Jackson ends up having to go that route, it's not the worst thing. Uh, obviously, it doesn't give you the long-term guarantees, but at least year-to-year, year you're making top-five salary at, at your position, and it's guaranteed money uh, if they franchise tag you. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. But on to the, uh, the next game, and it was the absolute stinker of the entire weekend. <laughs> And that was the Tampa Bay versus Dallas game. Uh, did you watch that one? That was the Monday night game. Yeah, yeah, I, I watched that one. I um, you know, I wish I didn't. Being from Tampa, <laughs> I I do have some Buck stuff, and I was wearing that because my brother's a Cowboys fan. So, but yeah. so I'm sure you heard a few we damn boys after the game. Oh, he's he. He's been a Cowboys fan long enough to to not do that. Okay. <laughs> he, uh, I mean, he was he was excited that they won and stuff, but he knows better than to talk crap because <laughs> that's how it, he's he's used to disappointment last twenty yeah. something years. So <laughs> I was gonna say they got spoiled in the '90s, and that's when they got all their fans. And since then, it's been kind of rough for them. But you know, this was a uh, I don't know. There's no way to to say it other than it was a pretty one-sided game um tom brady i think attempted 66 passes which is a record for a playoff game um i don't think any quarterback that's thrown over 60 passes in a playoff game has ever won uh i think big ben and i'm trying to remember who the other one was i think it was russell wilson a while back when he was on the seahawks but it was a I mean, it kind of just highlighted the all the issues that the Tampa Bay Bucks have had all year. Um, Dan Orlovsky in the broadcast, or I guess during the broadcast, was tweeting that um, the Cowboys had the hand signals for the Tampa Bay's audibles and whatnot on defense. So they were getting up to the line real quick and, and calling plays from the line of scrimmage with Dak Prescott. And based on the hand signals of that the uh, 
Bucks were doing, they would audible out if it wasn't the play they wanted, and and that's how it went the whole, the entire first half. Got out to a big lead and and never really relinquished it. So, and then yeah, Bucks have no rushing offense. I mean, Mike Evans. It looks like he's running the wrong way on half of his routes because Brady's throwing it one way and he's running another. I mean it's it's been a it's been a rough year for Tom Brady and and the Tampa Bay offense and I think the main thing that you can take from that is obviously we'll, we'll talk about it in just a minute but Byron Leftwich was let go as the offensive coordinator yeah and I think you see the loss of Bruce Arians and his off or his influence on the offense from last year uh, the last couple of years it's been a really good offense and and this year it's not balanced I mean they're throwing the ball. 50, 60 times a game. Uh, Tom Brady set the record for most pass attempts in a season with like 733, and I think the next closest was like 650. So quite quite a ways ahead of anyone else in that in that category. So I don't know. I mean, I, I think it. I don't want to take a ton of credit away from the Cowboys, and it kind of sounds like I'm doing that because I I kind of am. I mean, they beat an eight and nine team that back their way into the playoffs. Uh, I know we talked about they were playing their best football at the end of the season, but the best football was still not good. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the Cowboys did the same thing we did to the Bucks, so a few weeks ago, so. Yeah. Or maybe more than a few weeks, but but I think it was a very similar score. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, and I, I don't know how much further we need to break it down. I mean, I will say that they did get their center back right before the game, Ryan Jensen, so I thought that was going to lead to a little bit better offensive play on the on the line of scrimmage, but it really didn't. I think he probably played fine, but that offensive line has been decimated with injuries all year. I think they lost three starters right before the season even started due to ACLs and whatever else. Um, but they did clean house today. They got rid of eight coaches, like I alluded to, Byron Leftwich was their offensive coordinator. He was one of them. I think three of them were on defense and five of them were on offense. So this gives Todd Bowles the chance to get his people in there. Uh, the staff that he took over was Bruce Arian's staff. So I don't know. I, I think him having a little more input on on who's around him may give him a better chance to succeed as a head coach. But I really wasn't impressed this year. And like I said, not a lot of that was the offense struggling. They had a, a, a pretty good defense, and, and that's his side of the football. But losing a, a play caller of Bruce Arians' caliber is, is definitely going to hurt your team. Um, and well, now... He just moved up to the front office. I thought there would still be, you know, some... He'd be in his ear or something, but... you You would think, but, I mean... <laughs> Bruce Arians doesn't like checkdowns, and that's what they did all year. So, <laughs> I, I I don't see his fingerprints on on that offense at all. So, it was definitely a trying year for them, and I think Brady. I mean, he's a free agent now. He's not able to be tagged in his contract. Um, where he ends up next will be interesting. I know there's plenty of teams that are going to want him. Uh, the Jets, for for sure, want him. <laughs> I mean. They've got Joe Flacco, uh, Zach Wilson, and I think Mike White's a free agent now. So, well, Mike White and Joe Flacco are free agents. So, their only quarterback under contract is Zach Wilson, and I think they're 
probably a quarterback away from being in the playoffs uh, with the defense they have and, and the talent that they have on the offensive side of the football. So I think there's going to be plenty of suitors for Tom Brady, and I we've talked about my Raiders as being a potential one, but, I mean, he could also retire. He did just, well, I guess not just, but he announced a partnership with the Wynn Resorts on a TB12 camp or something i can't remember the exact details but that's located in las vegas so maybe we have some some signs pointing there we'll see um anything else you want to mention with with that game or Um, tampa bay dallas no i mean buck's future that's definitely got a huge question mark over it now like even if brady stays it's still i don't think you will and I mean, yeah, I mean, they've kept around so many too. veterans that now it's like you're almost either your your roster's too old or you're doing a full rebuild, and I think that's probably where they're stuck right now. So I feel bad for Todd Bowles because I feel like he's a good he's a good coach. I mean, he's definitely a, a great defensive coordinator, maybe not a great head coach, but. Both of his chances to be a head coach haven't been great. One with the Jets and, and now with a blowing up Tampa Bay team. So we'll see how he can rebound. But I don't know. We'll see. A um, couple other notes I have from around the league. And then we'll go into the the playoff preview for the upcoming games starting on Saturday. Um C.J. Stroud from Ohio State announced that he is declaring for the NFL draft. And I think it took him a lot longer than most people were expecting. He's projected to go probably top five. Um, But I think one thing that makes this conversation interesting is the amount of money that these college athletes can get by being a top-tier, like, power five quarterback. Um I would almost bet he could probably make as much money in NIL deals at Ohio State as he could on a rookie contract in the NFL. So I don't know if that played into his decision or if he really was thinking about going back to college because he had unfinished business there. But I that was just one little nugget that I wanted to throw in there because there was rumors that uh, the quarterback that committed to Florida – he had $13 million lined up in NIL deals for his Florida commitment. <laughs> and I guess the, the booster packed. They backed out of the deal, so now he wants out of his commitment to Florida. So it's just crazy the amount of money that these programs, well, I guess it's not even necessarily the programs, but boosters and, and companies around the programs can, can throw at these top-tier quarterbacks. So. What, what do you yeah, think about just, him? Do you think he'll get – who do you think he goes to? Um, I I hadn't really been looking at the college quarterback room that much because um, every year it just seems like they, they keep rushing him sooner and sooner other than Stetson. So, um, like, they, I just feel like they're not always giving them – 
the development that they should be getting. Yeah. So, well, like, as it, it's it's a crapshoot almost now. As it currently stands, and... we've got Bears at one, Texans at two. Texans need a quarterback, so I think one of the top three are going to Houston. Then you have the Cardinals at three. They have their quarterback of the future. Uh, then you have the Colts. They need a quarterback sitting at four. So I would think either Bryce Young, Will Levis, and C.J. Stroud, two of those three will be gone by pick four. Then you have the Seahawks. Maybe they still draft a quarterback, even though they're planning on bringing back Geno Smith. So by by pick five, I think all three of those guys could be gone. Um, you got the Lions sitting there at six. Maybe they want to draft their quarterback of the future, even though Goff's playing well. And then, obviously, you have the Raiders at sitting at number seven. So I don't think there's a way that all three of those quarterbacks make it past pick seven. And I really think if the Raiders aren't planning on going with uh, Tom Brady or trading for Mac Jones, that they're picking a quarterback, and it wouldn't surprise me to see them move up to pick three to get C.J. Stroud. I think he's probably... Because I, I really think the Texans are going to take Bryce Young. So if they can get up to, to pick three, C.J. Stroud looks like a pretty solid quarterback, although Ohio State hasn't had a great track record with their <laughs> program. Um, but yeah, like I said, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Raiders try to move up if they don't go with with uh, Tom Brady or, or Mac Jones at quarterback for the upcoming season. So... All right. I just I feel bad for these guys though because you know they're going to get drafted by like the worst teams and ex- be expected to carry them yep. in week one. Yeah, well, that's it's a that's the nice thing but... about like <laughs> that's probably going to happen in Houston because they're a dumpster fire. They need everything. <laughs> uh, Cardinals, like I said, I don't think they're going quarterback so. And if Kyler Murray doesn't get hurt and Cliff Kingsbury fallout doesn't happen, I, I think they're a better team than four and thirteen, so I don't know. But the Colts, I feel bad for whoever goes to Houston and whoever goes to the Colts. And then <laughs> if the if the Seahawks draft a quarterback, that could be a, an ideal situation because Yeah, that would that would be good. The only reason they're sitting there at five is because they completely robbed the Broncos <laughs> <laughs> and they got their pick. So, yeah, I think that would be an ideal landing place for like a Anthony Richardson from Florida um, just because you have uh, Geno Smith in place, assuming they work out uh, an extension for him. Um, and then he can sit behind that guy. Your offense is already set up for a semi-mobile quarterback. Anthony Richardson's obviously a completely mobile quarterback at this point in his development, but he can learn from Geno Smith that was kind of one of those guys coming out in the league and and learn how to play in a structured offense, and I I think that would be an ideal situation. I don't think they'd take him at five. I think they would probably trade down if if there was a quarterback available that other teams were looking to get to get some more assets. But 
Anthony Richardson might be there later in the second half of the top round. I don't think he'll go in the second round. I think he'll be gone by then, but we'll see. Um, moving on from that, unless you have anything to add, I don't know how close you've been watching the draft stuff. Obviously, um, us sitting at seven, I'm quite interested. You still being I, in the playoffs? We don't have anything so till like third. So yeah, okay. We don't have anything till the third round. So, but like for the Seahawks, though, like you know, I think Geno Smith broke like Russell Wilson's yardage yeah. record. So yep. like for them to move on from him, I feel like that would be a bad move. Which I, I guess in that case would be good for us but <laughs> yeah no they they already said they're both parties are interested in in a reunion so i think it's going to get done but i still don't think you can count on gino long term so getting a a backup yeah, slash project for the future i think that's a good deal. move for them so yeah all right a uh, couple news notes from the coaching carousel and that is jim harbaugh has decided to stay at michigan again <laughs> after saying he would take any job that an NFL team offered him, essentially. Uh, it sounds like he met with the Pan- Panthers pretty seriously, but it never got to the point of a job offer. So I don't know if he just... I think the the most likely scenario is that the Panthers didn't want him <laughs> <laughs> because I feel like if they had discuss contract figures or anything Harbaugh would have made it work just to get a chance at the NFL Uh, I really hadn't heard much interest in any other teams or from other teams in Jim Harbaugh I don't know if you did but I'm surprised he went back because of the impending uh, infractions they have at Michigan and what that I mean, they could be eliminated from playoffs this upcoming season just because of those recruiting infractions. So I thought for sure he'd run to the NFL to escape any consequences of that, but I guess not. We'll see. Um, And then I think probably my favorite head coach candidate for this upcoming turn was Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator in Detroit. Um, He turned that offense into... (laughs) quite the offense with Jared Goff running it. And he announced that he's coming back to Detroit and got a significant pay raise for his current position as offensive coordinator. So I'm excited for Detroit to see what they can do with keeping the whole gang together. Um, And obviously they'll have some moves to make in the, in free agency and whatnot draft that can improve the team even further. But Ben Johnson coming back to them, that that's pretty exciting for them, and I think Dan Campbell is very thrilled with that. Yeah, I really think the Lions are going to make some noise next year, more than they did this year. So they, they look dangerous, especially with that pick six available there. Uh, you think they could add a, a pretty decent defensive player. I think their offense is pretty much set at this point, so they can add to that line with Aiden Hutchinson playing Pro Bowl caliber ball uh, probably need some defensive backs but I think if they can get better on the defensive side of the football the offensive side is already there so I wouldn't be surprised at all to see them instead of being nine and eight and and sneaking into the or I guess just missing out on the playoffs I wouldn't be yeah. surprised to see them win a couple more games and get in there as a hell I wouldn't even be surprised to see them win the 
the uh, NFC North. I mean, I really wouldn't be surprised to see the Vikings take a step back. Green Bay hasn't looked great. Uh, so I think that division is definitely up for, up for the taking by Detroit. We'll see. All right. And then we have Sean Payton, which it's been rumored he's close to signing a deal with the Broncos, but obviously that can't be done. I can't remember what the cutoff date was. I don't think he could even be interviewed until the 17th. So that was a couple days ago at this point. Um, So I doubt he's ready to sign on the dotted line anywhere, especially with other jobs might come open. I know he's looking hard at that Dallas (laughs) job as well. Uh, Mike McCarthy may have saved his job by beating the the Bucks, but if he gets smoked by the the <laughs> Niners, maybe that job will open. I don't know. Uh, well, I mean, Sean we, Payton, we did fire one coach this year. After. Yeah, maybe get another one fired. We'll see. Uh, but he did mention. Obviously, he's a broadcaster right now, so he has quite a few friends and coworkers in the media. And he did mention to one of them that it'll cost whatever team he signs with a mid to low first round pick and possibly more depending on the team. I'm I'm thinking that's a shot at the Panthers because they're inside the division. They're probably going to look for more from them if, if they're willing to let him sign there. And then he's also going to cost in the realm of $20 million per year, which I think would be the highest paid NFL head coach, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I don't think, I mean, obviously the, the Chargers haven't made a move at Brandon Staley. Looks like he'll be back, but it, I don't know. I feel like if you can get Sean Payton, you need to make that move, especially when you've seen what Brandon Staley has done for your team in key situations. But where do you see him landing, if anywhere at all? Um, that's. nowhere yet just because there's still teams are still going to make some moves right now and then you know he he can kind of pick where he wants to go so i don't i don't know how much he wants to re be like on a rebuild or anything like that so yeah i i I feel like he's probably going to lean more towards a contender already but if if that is true with how much they're going to have to pay him and what they're going to have to give up to the saints, then I don't know. Like that, it's going to be hard for anybody to make a deal like that. Well, I think the Panthers would do it tomorrow. If, if it was a late first round pick or I, they're not worried about the money. I mean that, that owner Logan's talked about it several times. Cause he's a, a Panthers fan. That owner's got more money than God. So I think he would sign on the dotted line tomorrow if he could, but it's the whole compensation thing, and and I really don't think the Saints want him in the same division as them. So I I don't think they'll be willing to let him go there unless the Panthers are willing to cripple their future by giving (laughs) up multiple draft picks. Um, But, yeah, I I really don't think $20 million a year is going to be a – a major obstacle for for a lot of the owners in the league but I really wouldn't be surprised to see him end up in Denver just because I feel like with him essentially doing what he did with Taysom Hill I think he probably has the confidence that he can fix Russell Wilson 
Um, and then the defense is already in place there. Obviously, they let Bradley Chubb go and – or not Bradley. Yes, that's right, Bradley Chubb. They traded him to the Dolphins. Uh, so they got that first-round pick back. So they will have one to to trade to the um, Saints if they end up wanting to go this route. I just don't know. I, I don't know. I feel like – that's probably a good situation for him to go to. I don't want to see him go there because I'm a Raiders fan and having another competent coach in the division is not great when you have Josh McDaniels at the helm. <laughs> but is, uh, I, mean, I think that's is he probably going to take Fangio with them or I don't Fangio has been interviewing for a lot of defensive coordinator positions. In fact, he interviewed today with the uh, Falcons uh, I can't remember who the who else he interviewed with, but he's he's on his second interview, so I don't think they're necessarily okay. you know so linked he, at the hip or anything. But, right now. <laughs> well, I think he's looking to see what's out there. I mean, ultimately, I think he'd like to go with Peyton, but if it's to Denver, I don't know if there's any appetite for that based on how that marriage ended just last year. So, well, well I guess earlier this year, wasn't it? Uh, I don't remember. Was it before or after the new owner? <laughs> I don't even remember. They're uh, they're quite the dumpster fire over there. So I think he was hot fired earlier this year. I don't know, man. It's been <laughs> looking back at this season. It seems like it's so long ago that it started. But um, it looks like he got fired at the end of the last season. That's what I thought. Who was there? Oh, yeah. And then they hired Nathaniel Hackett. He got hired, or he got fired after, like, 12 games. So, and then the new guy, well, the old guy, the very old guy, (laughs) (laughs) took over for him the last four games of the season or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, I think that's where it'll end up, which is not great for me because then we'll have – Andy Reid with the Chiefs and Sean Payton with the Broncos. So that leaves Brandon Staley and Josh McDaniels as the inferior coaches in the division. But, oh well. All right, so that's all the news and notes that I had, unless you had anything to add to that. Coaching moves, anything like that? No. Okay, so let's move on to the divisional round preview. And that is, we've got four games, two on Saturday, two on Sunday. Uh, I think this is the correct order. Let me just pull up the schedule real quick so I'm not giving them out of order. Oh, here we go. Yep, so it's Jacksonville at Kansas City will be the 2.30 game, 2.30 Mountain Time game on Saturday. Who you got in this one and why? Um... Well, Kansas City. Um, they've just got a more dynamic offense. Um, I mean, I, I feel like Jacksonville might jump out to an early lead um, just because I feel like Kansas City might sit on them even though they just watched the Chargers lose. You know, everybody's a little more confident than the next guy. So I feel like Jacksonville might get an early lead and then you know, Mahomes is going to do his thing. And, you know, once the, once he wants to go down the field, 
like he's kind of hard to stop. So I feel like a little come from behind win, but probably they'll Kansas City will take the lead like late third quarter. Yeah, I'm really hoping Jacksonville. Um, I don't see a lot of scenarios where it will happen. Although I'm pretty sure Jacksonville beat them in their matchup earlier this season. If you look that up real quick, and I'll continue to uh, talk. But Jacksonville, I mean, they're. I feel like there's a couple things playing in their favor, and that's just that they played last week. Chiefs obviously had the day or the the week off with the bye. Uh, a lot of the times, you'll see teams that have the bye come out pretty flat. Uh, I don't know that Andy Reid will necessarily let that happen, but it's happened before, so um, wouldn't be surprised to see the Jags carry that momentum, especially coming off that emotional win last week, overcoming the 27-point lead and and winning that game uh, with the walk-off field goal there. Um, I don't know. I think that's more me hoping that it happens than (laughs) an actual scenario for it to happen the Chiefs seem to get things right especially against the Raiders in that week 18 matchup defense looked very good uh, even though it hadn't been all season they almost lost to the Texans I think it was week 17 or week 16 so um, I don't know I feel like the Chiefs are going to win but I really hope it's the Jags I did pick the Chiefs to win this game I'm going to say it's going to be a close one, probably six-point difference the Chiefs win by. But I will be cheering for the Jaguars wholeheartedly the entire game. (laughs) So uh, um, Jacksonville lost to them, like, middle of the season. Was it close one, though? 27-17. 10 points. Um, I think it was closer than the the final looked, though. I want to say... Chiefs scored uh, a touchdown right at the end or something. I don't remember. Um, no. So uh second quarter, Chiefs were up twenty to nothing. Then um third quarter it was ten to twenty seven, and then Jacksonville scored seventeen. Ten like with five minutes left. Definitely not how I remember that game. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Long season. <laughs> yeah, long season. So, yeah, like I said, I think Chiefs win by six, but I'll be I'll be praying Jacksonville gets it done. Uh, just so I don't have to see any more ring around the rosy shit the rest of the season because I <laughs> hate the damn Chiefs. But, okay, game, the second game on Saturday, the, the night game, 6-15 Mountain Time, we have the Giants going to Philadelphia. We already... Kind of talked about this one a little bit, but who you got in that one and why? Um, well, I, I mean, I was kind of hoping that the Vikings would win against the Giants and then, you know, they go to Philly and then probably get destroyed. Um, but I, I kind of knew that the Giants were a little bit better. I just hope, hoping they wouldn't be, but, uh, um, well, like you said, with Hertz injury, um, if if Hertz is a hundred percent, then Philly, I feel like, is just gonna walk away with it pretty easily. Um, 
you know, that, that division, because what there's, you know, three of them, they, they all have each other's numbers sometimes. So there's like no clear favorite with any of them whenever they play, even when somebody's having a terrible season, they could still upset the other team. So I, I yeah. think Philly knows that though. So they're, they're going to come out swinging. Well, it's crazy. I just don't think the Giants can keep up though. Yeah, every season they have a different championship or champion in the NFC East. And and that continued along this season. I think it's like 20 seasons in a row that there's been <laughs> no repeat champion of the NFC East. So um and that's definitely, you know, because the the division has a lot of parity and they beat up on each other and usually they have a lot worse records than they had this season um but even the commanders i mean right until the end they had a winning record might even finish yeah, they, about 500 they had a chance i don't i don't think they did but they, they, uh, they definitely had a chance at the wild card yeah so with that with all that being said like i alluded to Jalen Hurts has been a full participant this week in practice, so you would think that he's completely back. He did play in Week 18 a little bit. I don't think they played him the full game, if I remember right, but when he was in there, he didn't play very well. Um, well enough to win, but, I mean, they I can't remember who they were playing, but the team was already eliminated from the playoffs, didn't have a lot to play for, so obviously the Eagles did. They were still fighting for that number one seed. Um I really wouldn't be surprised at all to see the Giants win this one. And I want to pick them. But I think the Eagles are a better team, and that's why I'm picking them. I'm going to say they win by four, the Eagles do. But, again... Yeah, that's, really, that's the same boat I'm in. <laughs> yeah, really hoping... Really hoping Dexter Lawrence gets, gets a lot of pressure up the middle like he did against the Vikings and can wreak some havoc force Jalen Hurts to get outside the pocket and and make those throws on the run. I know he's capable of doing so, but if they can limit A.J. Brown like they did Justin Jefferson in, in the previous matchup, I wouldn't be surprised to see Giants win this one. So that's what I'm hoping for, but I think the Eagles win by four. And uh, Commanders were 8-8-1. Eight, eight, so. Okay, yep. Right at 500. Not bad. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So Sunday night, or I guess Sunday, the the morning one, not morning, it's afternoon. That's beautiful. 1 p.m. matchup. We've got the Bengals and the Bills. Again, this should have been a rematch, but because of the DeMar Hamlin situation, they canceled that game. So this is in Buffalo. Um, a lot of people are pretty upset about this being in Buffalo and not neutral site because had the Bengals beat the Bills, in that matchup that got canceled, uh, this game would have been in Cincinnati instead of in Buffalo. So I can see the logic behind that, but I'm sure getting two neutral sites in back-to-back weeks with all the events that the teams typically, or I guess the the stadium schedule. Yeah, I, I'm sure there's a lot of events going on. It's tough to schedule back-to-back weeks neutral site. Obviously, that's not fair to the Bengals, but, I mean, the game wasn't played, so it's tough to say, like, well, if you did win, well, maybe 
what what if you lost? Then this is the situation we're looking at. So I don't know. I do feel bad for the Bengals in this game, but I do have the Bills in this one. I think losing their left tackle, uh, the Bengals' left tackle will allow the Bills to get a lot more pressure on Joe Burrow. Obviously, he's done well in in his two-plus years as quarterback um, dealing with pressure because the Bengals have had a pretty bad offensive line his entire career. Um, But I think the Bills do enough. I think Josh Allen cleans up his turnovers enough to to win this game. It's at home in Buffalo. I'm going to say Bills win by a touchdown. Um, like I, before that last injury with the, since with the Bengals, like I was confident that they could win this. I'm a little less confident now. I think it might even go into overtime. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. These guys, Um, this seems like such an even matchup. It really does. Do we? Do you know what the weather forecast is looking like? I haven't seen yet, but I don't usually trust the forecast except a day <laughs> in advance. So, well, I mean, they were because, like, I'll look it up. Yeah, they knew all that snow when that was coming to Buffalo, and you know, calls for snow. Like, like, how much does it say? A lot, or maybe just. See, as this writing forecast calls for a 70% chance of snow during the game with accumulations of less than one inch. The high will reach around 35 degrees with winds of 5 to 10 miles per hour. All right, well, that's pretty mild. Yeah. Okay. Um, Well, with the new, you know, with the playoff overtime rules, I, I still think Cincinnati will get it. I think they'll get it in overtime, like, Maybe just a field goal in overtime. I don't know. I I don't think it'll go to a little touchdown shootout. But you think it's a high-scoring game or no? Ah, uh, no, no. Just because Cincinnati's was having issues against the Ravens, and I don't know. I want to say this one's going to be like in the. 30s really wouldn't be surprised to see like 37 30 buffaloes win or buffalo wins i am interested i, I, I to could see, see 33 30 for cincinnati i still haven't seen if micah hyde's gonna be back for sure uh let me see if i can find something no he's out against the Bengals. dang it i was gonna say that would be a huge boost so if he doesn't come back this upcoming like after well, assuming the Bills win, if he doesn't come back the following week, I don't think he's eligible to return if they were to advance the Super Bowl because they acted, They did his 21-day uh, return timeline from IR, and it's already this will be his second week as eligible to return. But we'll see. But I was really hoping they'd get him back because if you have two Pro Bowl safeties in the backfield – along with Tredavious White and the guys that stepped in while Tredavious was out. I think it'd be a pretty good matchup. I know, I mean, Bengals probably have one of the best wide receiver trios in the league, but I don't know. I'm excited to watch this one. I really think it's going to be 
high scoring, um, especially if Snow doesn't play too much into it. And yeah, like you said, I wouldn't be surprised to see it go into overtime and see those new playoff rules come into effect. So, And then lastly, we have Dallas versus San Francisco. And obviously this one means a lot to you, so I'll let you take it away. What do you think? Um, I've, well, like 49ers have kind of started slow past few games, like, you know, letting a couple of big plays get by them. Um, I, I can kind of see maybe Dallas getting like the first score of the game. Um, I guess depending on who gets the ball first, but, uh, I just feel like our defense can force some turnovers like like we did against Seattle and then uh kind of take Dak out of it and like they haven't been utilizing that run game that much and I know we can stop that so they'll force Dak to throw and you know we can get some interceptions that way um as far as like score goes, maybe uh, like 30 17. 30 17. It's quite the spread there. Yeah, I, I, I feel like we can we can get them defeated, like uh, like morally goes, you know, <laughs> or morale, I should say. I really hope that's how it goes. Um, Like you alluded to, I mean, Dak looked awful the last probably, what, five, six games of the season. Uh, But I do have to give him a hat tip there in the the playoff game against the Bucs. He looked very good. Uh, Made a lot of timely throws, a lot of tight window throws, and, and put up some points. I don't think he's going to be able to do that against you guys. And like you said, if they're if you guys are able to take away Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard more more so than Zeke Elliott, I don't think Zeke is much of a threat. But uh, if you guys can take Tony Pollard away, I absolutely see you guys winning this game. And yeah, I don't think this will be the the closest game this weekend. Um, this one has I don't want to say blowout because I don't think you guys will win by. What did you say? 30 to 17? 13 points? Yeah. I think it'll probably be closer I, I, to 10, but... Well, what I was thinking was more of a... We'll be leading 23-17, and then towards the end, we'll just get one little last touchdown in. Yeah. I'm going to say... And our guys kicker by is 10. better, too, so... You guys by 10. Um... And then we'll see what happens with Mike McCarthy. I know Jerry Jones thinks this is a Super Bowl-ready team. I don't know that they are, but we shall see. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see. I don't like. I don't know. I'm not super excited to see this matchup, but I I can't wait to see the matchup in the following week in the in the championship round. Uh, whoever you guys end up playing, either the Giants or the Eagles. I think that's going to be a, a really good game. So um, anything else with that one? 
No, I mean, you know, our kicker is better. So there's that part. (laughs) (laughs) You don't have much confidence in Mayer, huh? No, I mean, they they did sign a kicker to the practice squad. I forgot who it was, but. Well, um, I I wonder if they'll bring both. Like, it sucks (laughs) using a an extra roster spot for a backup kicker. But after his performance last week, like we've never seen four missed extra points in a game ever. That was, that was something new. So uh, probably not a lot of confidence coming out of that kicker. <laughs> Obviously it didn't affect the game, but whew, it definitely could have. So yeah, like early on, I thought that was really going to play a factor because I thought the bucks were going to stay in it. But, yep. Yeah, yeah when he, um, kept, I mean, you could just see it on that kicker's face, though he. Yeah, he didn't know where he, that ball was going, and I've heard several kickers allude to that's the worst feeling in the world. Obviously, I've never, I've kicked a couple extra points in my life, but <laughs> <laughs> never when the stakes are that high. So, yeah. It'll be interesting to see how he does in the, in the game against you guys. But all right, and then I just had a couple notes. If if you didn't have anything else, no, no, I'm good. Okay, so just wanted to mention I am wearing my Cowboys gear. The men's basketball team is not having a good time, uh, having a rough go of it. They're currently sitting at five and thirteen and. 0-6 in the Mountainless Conference after their loss to Air Force, currently sitting on an eight-game losing streak. Uh, Hunter Maldonado, he's he's feeling better after his breathing scare last Saturday night, listed as day-to-day, but he missed the Air Force game. Uh, team has just been riddled with injuries. I mean, it seems like every time they play a game, someone else gets injured, and, and obviously that's not a great way to go through a season. Um Missing Graham E.K. right from the start has been a Achilles heel for this team. They don't have a presence on the inside, uh, and that's not going to be great when teams just keep cutting to the basket on you. Um, after the game, they got stuck in the bus on the way home from Colorado Springs. They were sitting on the freeway for eight hours, even though it's like, mm. a, <laughs> I think, a two-hour drive, if I remember right, from Colorado Springs to Laramie might even be less than that i I can't remember it i think it is less than that i think it's probably an hour and a half and they got stuck on the freeway for eight hours so that's uh just been the story of this season i mean that that bus ride has been about how this season has gone they will host uh colorado state for the border war on saturday night so really hoping fans turn out and and help contribute to that game and they're able to beat their border war rivals uh, to get their first Mountain West Conference win on the season and then moving on quickly to the NBA there's been quite a few rumors saying that LeBron James wants out of LA Um, obviously this is interesting to a lot of GMs around the league because the opportunity to add a, a star even aging star like LeBron James is is a pretty good opportunity to to improve your roster. However, I will say that LeBron James is part of the reason why this Lakers team is so bad because when he got there, he wanted to play with veterans. 
And so they shipped off all their young, talented guys like uh, Kuzma, Kyle Kuzma. He was definitely a promising young player. I mean, he's doing really well for the Wizards right now. Um, So it seems like if you bring in LeBron, you're probably going to win a championship at some point. But when he's ready to leave, your team's going to be left riddled with aging stars on bad contracts and you're going to set your team back five, ten years just to rebuild after he leaves. So if you're willing to take on that risk of, you know, maybe winning a championship for losing the next five years after he leaves, ten years, whatever it might be, you got to really weigh those risks on on if you want to bring him in. Uh, And I really think the reason why he's, I wouldn't say trying to force his way out because I really don't think he is. I think he's happy where he's at. Uh, but he does want to win. He feels like he's kind of wasting the last couple years of his prime um, being on a team that's not necessarily ready to compete. I think he wants to play with his son whenever his son gets drafted, which is probably in the next couple seasons. So wherever that is able to be a possibility, I think that's where he wants to go, and that's why he keeps signing these shorter contracts in in the last couple years of his of his playing career so and then one last note with the Warriors I just I don't know I mean they're 22 and 23 they just lost the Celtics right before we came on uh, took them to overtime Celtics are a really good team in the Eastern Conference I think they're top three if I remember right so um, playing go ahead well they're they're number one in their conference that's what I thought. I couldn't remember if they were at the top or if they had slid back a little bit. But, yeah, Celtics are definitely a top Eastern Conference team. So taking them to overtime in their home court, I wouldn't say it's a moral victory, but at least it shows you you're you're ready to compete with all the teams in the Eastern Conference if you can compete with the top one. Uh, trade deadline's coming up for the NBA uh, Warriors are not likely to make any big moves. And when I say big moves, I mean trading for a star or something like that. Uh, they're not interested in moving on from any of their young core guys like Moody, Kaminga, uh, Wiseman. At least that's the indications they're giving to the beat writers that, that cover the team. Uh, they could change their tune as they keep playing out things and and they stay right around 500, which is where they've been all season. But the thing that's probably going to hamper them at the trade deadline is they're not willing to take on any lengthy contracts. So they're looking at guys that are on the last year of their deal or maybe two years max because of the luxury tax situation they're in already. Uh, I think they're paying more in luxury tax than they are for their actual payroll on their team. So, it's a rough situation to be in where you're essentially every dollar you spend, you're spending $2 because of the luxury tax, uh, just to keep the, the core around that you drafted. But I don't know outside of that. I I'm interested to see what they actually do at the trade deadline. If anything, uh, Steph just got healthy last couple games. He's playing really well. Uh, Clay Thompson's playing really well. Draymond's playing really well. Looney's playing really well, so I feel like one extra piece, especially in the center position, 
could make a huge difference for this team where they can get Looney some rest and, and start to sub him out a little more frequently and still have an impact player there in the front court. So with all of that being said, Raph, do you have anything else you would like to cover before we call it? Oh, no. I was just looking at these standings for the NBA just because I don't pay attention. Weren't the, it's pretty, weren't the Suns super good last year? They were. And, yeah, this year they're they're struggling just like my Warriors. I mean, they're pretty much right at 500 as well. Yeah, It's uh, interesting. The West... <laughs> The Western Conference is looking a lot like the Eastern Conference did last year. Well, I guess the last few years where everyone's all jam-packed with a, you know, not great record. Yeah, yeah, definitely see that. Like, So, I mean, Nuggets are in first, the 32-13. But then, you know, you go to the fifth with the Mavericks. They're like eight and a half back, and then... You know, all the way down to the Suns, which are 12th place. They're 11 games back. Yeah. So they're all, a bunch of them are all sitting around 500. Yeah. I mean, there's only, yeah, like you said, two and a half games between 5th place and 12th place, which is outside of the playoff picture. So yeah. right now, Warriors sitting at 9. They're in that play-in spot. So if you're the Warriors, you want to get up to at least the the six seed, so you don't have to go through the play-in tournament just to get into the the playoffs. <clears throat> but, and I think they could do that. I I really don't expect the Jazz to. I mean, they Jazz got off to a really hot start. I think they were like ten and three to start the season, or somewhere around there. And since then, now they're at twenty four and twenty four. So, I I expect them to keep falling. I think the Warriors could could slide up there, especially towards the sixth spot. And honestly, a, a team that has as much playoff experience as they do, if if you can just get in, you've got a shot to 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 win it all. So, I think that's their their thought process on this, and that's why I don't think they'll make any moves on in the or before the trade deadline. I wouldn't be surprised at all to see them sit pat. They feel like they're set up for the now and for the future with a lot of the young core guys that they, they drafted. So if they think they can add like a, I want to, I can't remember how to pronounce his name. He actually played at university of Utah, but I think it's Lucas Pirtle or something like that. He's a center. He's playing for the Spurs right now. Uh, they drafted him. He's on the last year of his rookie deal. So the Warriors could probably get him for a second round pick in the future and he's not a huge salary commitment because his deal's up after this season so if they could get him he's a good passing big and he also plays good defense he'll he'll put up a few points i i could see them bringing him on he makes a lot of sense for their current roster especially where they don't really have a great backup for looney while wiseman's in the d league and injured so Oh, I can't wait to see how, how this season progresses because right now it's just win a game, lose a game, win a game, lose a game, and then they'll lose a couple in a row, win a couple in a row. and I mean, it's just been right at 500 all season. So I hope they're starting to play better ball and, and it leads to good things in, in the playoffs. So Anything else you had to mention? No, that, that, that's it. All right. 
So with all of that being said, we appreciate you guys joining. Uh, we were hoping, like I said, to have Kyle on. Um, hopefully next week we'll get one in with him so you guys can catch up on all things Pittsburgh. And I don't know. I mean, we'll definitely have more to talk about with your Niners. Maybe positive, maybe not so positive. We'll see. Yeah, I'm, I work on Sunday. So my game, I get off at 7, game starts at 4.30. It's a little upsetting. Um, so so that's, your, maybe, that's your cue for me to not text you during the game. I, I may be streaming it on my phone instead of working. Okay. We'll see what happens. <laughs> well, we don't want to say that. You will be working as hard as you can because you are a valuable employee that yeah. deserves a and raise. Not, you know, I'm not that type of person to call out sick, so just have to deal with it. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys again for tuning in. We appreciate you, and we will catch you on the next one.